Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of ADRA Canada Insider Podcast. We have a very special podcast for you today because we are recording from the field where the ADRA Canada Embrace Project has been implemented here in the country of Rwanda. And for the last 10 days, we have had a group of people join me here in Rwanda to tour the projects. So as we get started uh, on this podcast, why don't we just go around the table and have you introduce yourselves? Who do we have here today? My name is Crystal. I'm the fundraising coordinator at Adra Canada. Thank you for joining us, Crystal. I really appreciate you joining this tour and helping me with all of the logistics and uh, (laughs) managing the team. And let's go down the table. Hi, my name is Glory, and it's my first time here in Rwanda. I accompanied my students who just won the high school challenge. Okay, great. Thank you. Now let's hear from the students that have come on this tour. Tell us your names. Hello, my name is Lester, and I'm from Toronto, Canada. I am a student, 17 years old, and available. (laughs) Did you want to add your Gmail? What grade are you in, Lester? I am in grade 11. Just finished grade 11? Yes. Yeah, okay. And all of our students, you're in all the same grade, right? Grade 11. What's the name of your school? MBBCA stands for Metropolitan Bible Baptist Christian Academy. Wonderful. Thank you. Now, who else do we have? Hi, my name is Bea, and I'm one of the three students that went here to Rwanda. I'm in grade 11 as well, turning grade 12 this coming school year. Wonderful to have you here on this tour. Hello, my name is Faris Dayantuyan. Okay, so we've heard from the students. Now we have one more person that has joined us from Canada, and uh, he was actually here once before in the country of Rwanda, helping out uh, with the Embrace Project, came as a volunteer in a program that we called Agents of Change. Tell us about the maybe a little bit about the Agents of Change program that uh, the Embrace Project was doing. Absolutely. So uh, my name is Bobak Makui. I'm one of the Agents of Change, as Frank just said. The Agents of Change Project really brought together a group of 10 health science students from across Canada. And we all got to go to different project sites for the Embrace Project. Three went to Myanmar, they went to the Philippines, they went to Cambodia. I was able to travel to Rwanda um, and see the project sites as part of the 2017 tour. And our role really is to raise awareness among Canadians about the kinds of health barriers that women and children face in these kinds of environments, but also to raise awareness as to the capacity building aspects of the project where um, we combat malnutrition, we combat poverty, we combat all sorts of things that intertwine with health and well-being so that people can live very full lives and very healthy lives. All right. Thank you, Babak, for sharing that. And we really appreciate uh, your participation in the Agents of Change project and for joining our group here to this uh, uh, return uh, to, for you at least, uh, to the Embrace project on this tour. Now, uh, What I would like to do next is hear a little bit from the students as to how it was that you were selected to do this tour of the Embrace Project in Rwanda. Out of all of the students in Canada, how was it that you three are the ones that uh, ended up uh, making this tour of Embrace in Rwanda? So basically, what happened was there was a challenge, and we joined the challenge. And every month, they would give a challenge, and we would have to finish the challenge by the end of the month. What you're saying basically is there was a challenge. 
<laughs> there were actually four challenges. So, yeah. And I guess, you know, we did our best and the judges chose us and we won. Now, just to clarify, this was for grade 11 students. It was a high school challenge. Yes. Okay. Tell me about when you found out uh, that you had won the trip. What was that like? What was the emotions that went through your mind as you uh, learned that you were going to be traveling to Rwanda? Oh, boy. (laughs) For me, it was uh, mixed emotions, you know. There was happiness, and I was like, whoa. I was shook because, you know, Mrs. A was like, guys, you won the challenge. And guess what country you're going to? What? Rwanda. And then we were like, Ruan, what? <laughs> we should probably tell our listeners that all three of you, including your teacher your, as a fourth, are from the Philippines, correct? Yes. Yes. Yeah, maybe yeah. some of our listeners picked that up from your accents. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> and uh, one of the countries where Embrace works is actually the Philippines. And so you might have probably thought that if you were the winners of this contest that you might be able to go home, right? <laughs> go to the Philippines. <laughs> for the first that's time in actually, seven years. Yeah, that's what we're aiming that's for. <laughs> that's why you accepted the challenge, yes. maybe. <laughs> well, surprise. Yeah. Well, uh, I think it's good in a way for you to experience another part of the world and see how people live in in a country that uh, you've never been to before. All right. Well, I'm so glad that you guys uh, came. And I would like for our listeners to know a little bit about some of the sightseeing that you were able to do before we go on and talk a little bit about the Embrace Project. What what did you do the first day? Tell us about your first day. We went to the Genocide Genocide Memorial. Okay. For anybody um, coming to Rwanda, this is a must, I believe, that uh, in Kigali there is a museum, a memorial that has been established to help people know about and remember the genocide that happened here in this country in 1994. And it's important that we never forget uh, that. Uh, and uh, so what was it like for you guys going through that museum and finding out about some of the history of this country? It was uh, heartbreaking to see the history of Rwanda. It made us all feel sad, just looking, you know, just what happened in the past and stuff, and quite happy to see Rwanda now for them to, you know, to be able to move on Mm-hmm. And look at what Rwanda is doing now, right? It's right. a good country. And I think that's great, you know. Was there any specific part of the tour of the memorial that uh, impacted you guys the most? For me, it was the, you know, the kids. Mm-hmm. And there was a room with the kids and then it shows what age are they and how they died. It was really saddening. It's really heartbreaking, yeah. Yeah, it's really heartbreaking. It's just like, oh, Yeah. Okay, so for me, I guess the most heartbreaking part in the memorial was when the people went to the churches to seek for protection, but then most of the people died in churches, so that was the most heartbreaking part in the memorial. The part that really um, had an impact for me is the, when I see those skulls in the, inside the memorial, just seeing the skulls, it's like broken and like it's really hurting. Like. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, well, thanks for sharing that. And um, the flip side of the sadness that's uh, illustrated there at that museum is how the country has rebounded from this horrible situation. Maybe I can ask you, what are your impressions of the country as we have traveled through the country? What can you tell us about how Rwanda has come so far since those horrible days in 1994? It's hard to consolidate the two images of um, Rwanda now and Rwanda during those worst of times because you are hard-pressed to find somebody who's not smiling, who's not happy, who's not generous. Well, I have yet to come across the person who's really upset or, any, or mean or hostile or anything like that. So for me, it's it's almost impossible to just comprehend how this could have happened and somehow that makes it even more impactful it kind of uh, speaks to the universality of this type of phenomenon and how it could happen anywhere but also how the country has mended so well you know now when you look around everybody is a Rwandan everybody stands shoulder to shoulder for their countries and for their to support each other so it's really it's incredible yeah that's my impression too it, it there's been a lot of healing that has happened here in Rwanda i think it's a very hugging yes country sure. yeah. you see people as they meet each other they greet each other there's a lot of hugging going on and i'm sure that the people who are hugging today are from the two sides and they have really moved on and uh, are all joining together to rebuild this country Okay, so we move on now. The next day was a wonderful sightseeing experience for me. Who else had a good time uh, the next day? Tell us about the, the, the following day. I got to see hippopotamuses. <laughs> so the next day, we went to Akagera National Park and we saw giraffes. <laughs> yeah, it was really great seeing those animals, you know. I was really expecting an elephant, but we saw giraffes, so it's all good. <laughs> and how is it that you pronounce the hippopotamus again? It's always hippopotamus. There you go. <laughs> A Filipino way of saying it. Uh, really? Is that is that how you say it? There. I like it. Yeah. I'm gonna start saying it like that. <laughs> Very good. What are some of the other animals you we saw? So zebra. 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 Is that how Canadians pronounce it? Oh, it's zebra. There you go. <laughs> And baboon. Monkeys. Monkeys. Buffaloes. Bucks. What kind of bucks the were water, they again? Water bucks. Water bucks. There water you go. Bucks. Impalas and antelopes. Mm-hmm. Crocodiles. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. A few bugs. A few bugs. <laughs> Dragonfly. Dragonfly. All right. And then the next day. Oh, yes. On our sightseeing portion of this wonderful excursion that we're having, we also went to Lake Kivu. Tell us about Lake Kivu. Oh, boy. <laughs> I think it's the, lo- the largest lake, right, in, yeah, in Rwanda. Lake. And it's shared with... Congo, right? Mm -hmm. The Democratic Republic of the Congo. And uh, in fact, where we stayed, we were just uh, a few blocks away from the border into the Congo at the city of Goma. Oh, boy. Tell us about our day there at Lake Kivu. Oh, Lake Kivu. It was great, you know. The water was clean. Mm. Are your feet still burning from the hot spring? Oh, yeah. The hot spring was nice. And it was hot. Yeah, so this hot spring is being fed by a volcano. Mm -hmm. And people might remember that it was in Goma, just a few kilometers from the hot springs, that a volcano recently erupted in 2002. And a good half of the city was destroyed by the lava that came down from the uh, eruption. 
So we were there, spent a night there and a day there in an area where there is a recent volcano. It was exciting. All right, so that was the fun sightseeing part of the tour. And uh, that day we came down into Nabihu. <laughs> Did I say it right again? Nabihu. Nyabihu. Nyabihu. <laughs> to uh, spend the next four days uh, visiting the projects of Embrace. And uh, our listeners have probably heard many podcasts on the Embrace Project, so I don't know if we need to go down the whole list of the items of the Embrace Project, but I would very much like to hear from our students as to what stands out in your mind from all of the things that we've seen about Embrace, what stands out in your mind as being the most interesting or what you think might be the most effective part of the Embrace Project. Maybe I'll ask, what did you enjoy the most? From the last four days, from what you've seen, what did you enjoy doing the most? For me, what I enjoyed the most was interacting with the kids and seeing their smiles and their laughters just because of simple things that we don't even appreciate in Canada was very overwhelming and very touching. And I also like their songs and their dances and stuff. Yeah. Great. Thank you. Let's go around the table. Everybody has to think of one thing they liked. I got mine already. Right. So I, um, you know, I had the benefit of coming to some of these project sites twice. So I had my initial experience, and I had my experience with you guys. And um, you know, when we went, when we climbed that incredibly tall mountain that was like never ending and just kept getting steeper and steeper and steeper, and then we got to the top and we got to sit with the youth group. I thought it was. Just probably one of the most beautiful moments of my life because you guys were playing the violin and they were singing. And despite all these, this perceived gap, like this cultural difference, you guys were able to bridge it through music and song and, and dance. And it was just such a wonderful moment. And I was amazed at how um, in tune you guys were with each other. And I think that that was really a special moment for everybody there on top of that hill. So for me, that's hands down best moment of the trip. Sorry, I think I took the best one. <laughs> well, we can hear from others who, who might want to also talk about that experience. What was it like? Uh, what Babak is, is talking about is we joined a youth group that was formed as part of the Embrace Project. And what they do is they've developed skits and music. They've written their own songs. And they go around not only to their own village, but also seven other villages around their village, teaching and trying to impress the importance of following the Embrace key messages to all of the young people and their moms and dads as well. So they were very instrumental in promoting all of the messages of Embrace to the villages that surround them. They emphasized the importance of not getting pregnant before you're married. They also talk about stay away from drugs. In addition, they also talked about how it's important to have gender equality. They talked about the importance of balanced nutrition for the family, how to grow vegetable gardens. They have their own savings and loans program. So it was interesting to see this youth group so active and participating in the project mostly at their own initiative. This was a ground-swelling group that grew spontaneously out of the Embrace project. And uh, so we met them at the top of the hill where they keep their 
animals. Now someone tell us what, the, what it was like as we came up the hill. When we arrived in the hill, for me, I was really tired. My calves were hurting. So basically, I think we were the last one that got up in the hill. And then we were surprised that when we got up there, they were singing and then they were dancing. And it's really great, you know, seeing them being so energetic and uh, probably, you know, welcoming us in the most warm possible way. Yeah. I was overwhelmed. Yeah, I was overwhelmed. I was nervous. But at the same time, I was happy, you know, seeing them. It's a really great sight to see. What all, what all did they do for you? So the group performed three skits for us. And <clears throat> I'm also grateful for the opportunity that we could play the violin on top of the hill. What I thought was interesting is that all of the songs that you played, the people already knew those songs, and they started to sing in their own language. Mm-hmm. It was, and uh, yeah. we might point out to our listeners that um, you, all, you played all Christian songs, yeah. and these people knew the words in their language to all of these Christian songs. Mm-hmm. People might not know, but they say that 90% of the people living in Rwanda are Christian. Mm-hmm. And um, it's interesting that they know the songs that we also yeah. know. Yeah. So the night before we went up that hill and went on that trip, you guys were in our room practicing the violin. Mm-hmm. And it was very nice. And I remember you guys were a little bit nervous. And then when you, I was really proud of you because you went up there and you did so well. And it was really amazing. And I want to know, how did you feel when you finally like conquered your nervousness and played the violin? Like, how did you feel right after? Oh boy, for me, I was nervous the whole time. But even after I was playing, I was still nervous. Like my hands, like my hands was cold and it was like sweating at the same time. But I was like, oh, it's finished finally. (laughs) So and (laughs) well, no one could tell. Yeah, no one could tell. I I couldn't tell that you were nervous. No, I couldn't see that either. Yeah. Mm, After playing the violin, it was such a blessing that they were to see that they were happy that you know. And it's just happy to be a blessing to them. Mm-hmm. Crystal, this is your first time traveling abroad. What can you tell us about your first uh, trip abroad? Well, it's definitely been eventful. I actually was very, very much touched by the greeting from the youth group. I was on the verge of tears. It was just such a nice feeling after that treacherous hill. (laughs) (laughs) One of the families that we visited that had received what we call the full package of embrace, Uh, and what I mean by that is that certain members of the embrace projects, certain beneficiaries, or we like to call them participants, received a cow. Some received a latrine, some received a big water storage tank uh, and a system where they could collect the rainwater off the roofs of their home into the storage tank. Well, this lady, because of her great need, received what we call the full package. She got everything. She got the latrine, the cow, the water tank, and uh, a beautiful garden. So I wonder if any of you have any thoughts or reflections about our visit to this, this lady who... Uh, received so much from Embrace. During our visit with this uh, woman with eight children, we gave out simple gifts, and uh, I can see the genuine um, happiness in in the faces of the kids. They're just so happy with these simple gifts that we 
uh, handed out to them. And the, the part of the visit that really touched me, and I was really in tears when uh, Vincent asked uh, the kids, are you happy? Then uh, give them one word to show that you're happy. Then the child answered, please come back. That was so touching. Mm. And I can see the family, they're so thankful. They're, they're so grateful mm. for that visit. And um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you. And maybe I share just a couple of things more. I, I had the opportunity of visiting with this uh, same woman a couple of weeks before. And I interviewed her for an hour on video. And there will eventually be a video out there about her story. One interesting thing is that uh, she not only had eight children, but all eight of them were girls. If you can imagine having eight girls in your family, and uh, what a blessing that would be to have eight girls. Uh, but the reason why she was selected to receive such help was because her husband had left her with these eight children, and um, she was in really desperate need. In fact, one of the things that she said in her interview that really touched me was, if it had not been for Embrace, I know that one of my babies would have died. When Embrace started in the community, she had th her last two children were twins. One of them had been a very low uh, weight at birth and had never really recovered properly and had become so malnourished by the time she was three years old when Embrace started that she expected that she would not live much longer. But when Embrace came and they did the assessment, Embrace put her immediately into a rehabilitative feeding program where she brought the baby every day for 12 days and uh, fed her a very nutritious porridge. Uh, she started to recover and uh, over the course of the following year, following the Embrace project messages, the woman um, started growing vegetables in her uh, yard and started feeding all of her children the recommended diet uh, of Embrace, and now all of them are healthy, including the one that she was worried about. And so as I interviewed her, I just felt this would be a, a good family for our visiting students from Canada to see. As most of our listeners know, the Embrace Project uh, is primarily funded by the Canadian government. Global Affairs Canada, and uh, we are really grateful for all of the support that we have received from the Canadian government. And uh, I'm curious to know, as students in Canada, what has stood out in your mind about how the Canadian government is working in this way to help people? Before you got involved in this youth challenge, this high school challenge, were you aware of what the Canadian government was doing abroad in countries like in Africa and Southeast Asia? Were you aware that Canada was helping these countries before you started this? No, we weren't. We didn't even know that the Canadian government was doing such a thing. And uh, when we went to see the projects and we saw the, the work there that has been done, we, you know, it was really amazing you know to see the big impact that they have you know given to those communities and i think it's really great so same as lester i never really knew that canada was doing all these things here in 
Rwanda and not just Rwanda but also different countries and seeing all this work that the government of Canada has been doing it made me more proud to be a Canadian. It is such a blessing for the Canadian government helping out other countries uh, supporting them and giving them the things that all those people will need. During the trip, we can see that all those people were so thankful for the ADRA and for the Canadian government for what they're doing. I've heard some people in Canada say, why does the Canadian government spend the tax dollar money over in Africa and Southeast Asia when there's so many problems back home here in Canada? What would you say is, is why the Canadian government has chosen to, to do that? Why are we helping people over in other countries when we could be spending that same dollar in Canada? Maybe Canada is a friendly country. <laughs> well, we're very polite, right? <laughs> to build good relationships with other countries. Mm. Kind of extending the hand of friendship to other nations, showing that we are a people who care. Yeah, those are all good thoughts. I think more and more with the connectivity that we have across the globe, with things like the internet um, and you know YouTube, things like that, we can we know more about each other. We see more about each other. We are more aware now than ever that we are members of a global community. You know, you have your neighborhood, you have your city, you have your province, your country, but you know, you also have the globe, and we're all humans across the globe, and. We have a duty to our brothers and sisters across the planet to do good for them if we can, the same way we do good for ourselves at home in Canada. And you have to look at it. Let's say the Canadian government invests $20 million in projects like these. At home, a $20 million initiative, it might not have a huge impact. It might mean that, you know, some seats get more cushion or something along those lines. But when you inject 20 plus million dollars into low and middle income countries in areas that are extremely underdeveloped and extremely impoverished and are facing the hardest of challenges, it can make a dramatic impact on them. And we see that here in Rwanda with the Embrace Project. We see that there's people who are, you know, their children are surviving because of it. So anytime somebody says, that, you know, we don't need to do this. We need to invest that money here in Canada. It's a, it begs the question, like, if we can invest this money in other countries and in other communities and build those communities and save lives or try to make a change in their environment so that they can start to have a movement in, towards the quality of lives that we enjoy at Canada, then why not? I think we're obligated to. It's like we have our own families, right? Mm -hmm. And we have our own problems within our family. But it doesn't mean that we have problems in our family that we cannot extend help to other families. Mm -hmm. If we have the capacity to help them, then we help. So it's... I would like to say that the dollar has gone a long way here as well. It's amazing to me how much has been accomplished in this part of Rwanda with just the little bit of money that was invested. Most of the project was actually just information. So it wasn't like building big hospitals it was mostly imparting the information that we know about nutrition, about washing hands, about uh, how to grow gardens, uh, how to cook those meals so that you can feed your families. And so it didn't cost very much to share that information. And then the, the few things that we did do as far as building, we built some uh, maternity wards, we donated some ambulances... 
That didn't cost very much, but it is saving lives. We talked to a number of mothers who had complications while they were in labor and could have possibly died, except for the fact that Canada had recently donated an ambulance very close to their home, and they were able to get to the hospital because of it. And so those few small investments have already returned big dividends, I would say. I got to say, that that point really resonates with me. Um, Somebody's mom got to come home. Somebody's child got to come home. Somebody got to get medical help or to get some type of help or education that allows them to come home and live. Imagine just your own household. Suddenly, one voice was gone or, you know, one presence was gone. And it's hard to argue against a project like that when it's like so little from us can have such a huge impact. Let me ask you this. After being away from home for 10 days now, are you excited about going home? What's the first thing that you're going to do when you get back home? For me, the first thing I'm going to do when I get back home is to eat all the Filipino foods. (laughs) (laughs) Have you missed your mom's cooking? I I miss my mom. Mm. (laughs) I miss my family. Yeah. Would you go out on on another trip next year if you were offered? Of course. (laughs) What what are you planning to do when you get home? Probably I'm going to get some sleep. (laughs) First thing that I would do um, when I get back to Toronto, probably I would tell stories of all the wonderful things that I have seen in Rwanda. Um, Adra, Canada... With their Embrace projects, I have seen wonderful things that this uh, Embrace project has, you know, impacted in the lives of the Rwandans. Uh, I'm just so humbled by, you know, the effort, so much effort that they put into this project, and uh, I really appreciate it a lot. So I'm going to tell my church family about my experience here in Rwanda. Thank you for that. Crystal, what are you going to do when you get home? I can't wait to hold my husband and my son. Oh, there you go. (laughs) Yes, I've actually been in country almost a month now because I came in ahead of the group to prepare and uh, find locations for them. So I am also looking forward to seeing my family and uh, giving them all hugs, big hugs. Well, I want to thank everybody for taking your time to gather around this table and share your experience of your trip here in Rwanda. And thank you, listeners, for joining us uh, for this adventure as well, Vicarious Adventure. We would actually love to be able to take every one of our supporters out uh, to uh, experience firsthand what ADRA is doing around the world, uh, like glory and the students have experienced unfortunately that's not feasible but we encourage you to visit our website we have lots of videos that you can experience and get a a little better window on the types of things that adra is doing to change the lives of people all right until next time we uh will say farewell for now bye thank you very much (laughs) <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> Au revoir. Au revoir. Au revoir. <laughs>